Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, everyone. Bless you. It's great to be here. It's a real privilege. Um, so thank you. Um, you know, we, we're going to be looking at 1 Chronicles 16 in a minute, if you want to have a look for that. And uh, just while you're looking for that, I just want to thank God that he, he confirmed his word this morning, you know, because um, Emmanuel uh, read before the, the beginning of the meeting, uh, you know, from Psalm 100, give thanks to the Lord. Uh, you know, and the, the thing is, I want to talk about Thanksgiving this morning. And, you know, I want us to appreciate just what God has done for us. Amen. So have you all got 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 7? You all found it? All right then. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him and sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant. You, children of of Jacob, his chosen one. Hallelujah. Let's read from verse 23 as well. It says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among the, all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Is God good this morning? Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer again. And let's just ask God to really speak to us um, and really... You pray to God. Don't listen to me praying. You pray. You open up your heart to God. Amen. So let's hear you pray. Lord and Father, you are worthy to be praised. And we want to give you thanks this morning, not just for what you give us and what you've done for us, but for who you are. And that's what we want to focus on this morning, is who you are, you yourself, not what you give us. We just pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord. So often we come to you with prayers which are like shopping lists of what we want, whereas in fact what we should do is ask, what do you want? And Lord, if we do ask for one more thing, give us a heart of gratitude. Help us to appreciate who you are this morning, that, Lord, we might sing your praise, Not because we should, not because we're compelled to, not because that's the words of the song that we're singing, but because from our heart we are overwhelmed by your grace and your mercy. Oh, Lord and Father, please, my God, do something new in us today that we might be a blessing to you, that we might praise you, that we might magnify your name throughout the earth. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. You know something, it's um, on, on Wednesday night we had the Exceed meeting and Greg uh, was speaking about how he has learned to appreciate more and more what God has done for him and found new ways to give thanks to God for who he is. And we spoke about uh, Daniel 9. In Daniel 9 there's a prayer of Daniel and it's quite remarkable, it's a couple of dozen verses long and 90% of it is confession and thanksgiving. There's only a, one verse at the end where Daniel actually asks for something. And what does he ask for? He asks for God to do what he wants. So Daniel doesn't actually ask anything for himself. He asks God to do what he wants. And it's just remarkable that 90% of his prayer is focused on God, on who God is, giving thanks to God for who he is, rather than on what Daniel wants. Now, when I compare that to my own prayer life, I find myself the opposite. I say, thank you, Lord, for who you are, and then I go off for a long, rambling shopping list of the things that I want. Lord, do this for me. Lord, do that for me. Give me this. Give me that. And I sometimes look at Daniel's prayer, and I compare it to my own, and I realize how far short I am of what I should be. And, you know, this is one of the things that you know, we really need to consider. I certainly need to consider it in my life. You know, my, as Greg put it the other day, an attitude of gratitude. You know, do I actually have that gratitude towards God that I should have? You know, or am I still consumed by what God should still give me or what God could give me instead of just being thankful for the things that he's already given me? Above all, salvation. And that's one of the things that we need to realize is that if God never gives us anything else, he's given us salvation. You know, as, as David put it in the psalm, blessed is he whose transgressions are covered. We're blessed. We're saved. What more do we want? Yet we do want more. And God in his generosity and grace often gives us a lot more. But we need to make sure that we're not feeling entitled like we should have these things. We don't deserve anything. We don't deserve God's mercy, let alone his grace. If you understand the difference. I think I've said this before. Mercy is where we don't get what we do deserve. Grace is where we do get what we don't deserve. They're very different things. Mercy says, Jerry is a sinner, Jerry deserves to die, Jerry deserves to be destroyed. But God's mercy says, but Jerry's not going to get what he deserves. So I have received God's mercy. But God's grace says, Jerry doesn't deserve anything, he's a sinner. But God's grace says, but I'm going to give him so much more. And he spreads a banquet before me in the presence of mine enemies. God is gracious. But I wonder if we appreciate that or if we think, yeah, he should be. Are we entitled or are we grateful? You know, it's one of those things that I think that we need to tackle first. You know, sometimes we read scriptures like this, give thanks to the Lord, like it's an order. You will give thanks. You must give thanks. Do it. Right? And we don't realize that actually it's an exhortation. It's a 
it's a, it's a compulsion. When you're filled with gratitude, when you really appreciate what God has done for us, how else can you respond but to pour out praise and worship towards him? That's why we praise God. That's why we worship God. That's why we sing to God. It's a compulsion. That's why we don't just do it on a Sunday morning. That's why we do it while we're walking around or at work. You know, because we're so filled with gratitude, we should remember what God has done for us 24-7. And so it should well up from within. I think that's why there are so many prayers and psalms that appear to remind God of what he's done. It's not that anybody's reminding God to, of anything, because God hasn't forgotten anything. It's that we need to remind ourselves of what God has done. You know, that's why the Israelites would sing, you know, you opened the Red Sea and you brought us out and you brought us into, a, you know, many psalms that, uh, you know, all about what God has done. Because we sing those songs, we sing those psalms, we read those scriptures to remind ourselves of the fantastic things that we have already received from God's hand. For the fantastic things that he can and has done. And when we really appreciate all of those things, when we remind ourselves we appreciate what he's done and we overflow with gratitude and praise. If we have difficulty praising God, perhaps it's because we haven't really appreciated what God has done for us. You know, it's one of those things, thinking of the things that God has done for us in the past. You know, in Philippians 4... It's, uh, there's this wonderful scripture, if you want to turn to it with me. Philippians 4, and we'll read verse 8 for starters. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, I'm not into positive thinking. I'm not into denying problems. I'm not into sort of living in sort of a lie, pretending everything's perfect. But the truth is that we should remember all the good things that God has done. We tend to remember our problems too much. We remember our losses too much. We remember what we haven't got too much when we should remember just what we have got. Like I said before, we've got salvation. If God never answers another prayer... If God never gives me anything else, blessed is he whose transgressions are covered. I'm blessed. You know, sometimes we say, you know, if you're healthy and wealthy, then praise God. I think like, well, what do you do if you're not healthy and wealthy? I'm not so healthy. Should I stop praising God? If you're not so wealthy, don't stop praising God. Because we don't praise God because of our circumstances. We praise God because of who he is. And does he ever change? No. You see, we have a lot to thank God for. Remember that actually Philippians 4, written by Paul, and in fact, if we just go back a few verses to verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, or 
my personal translation, the peace of God that does not make sense will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And in fact, in verse 9, after the reading that I read before, he says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. We probably just read over that and not really think about what Paul was talking about. Does anyone remember how the church in Philippi was started? Acts 16, where Paul has preached the gospel and he gets severely beaten and put into the inner prison in the stocks. And in the middle of the night, I mean, how would you be if you'd just been put in, not even A&E on a trolley, but chucked into a, a pit with rats in it and stuff, having been beaten where would you be? I know where I'd be. But where's Paul? He's praising God. He's singing hymns. And the prisoners are listening. Then there's an earthquake. And they're released. And they lead the jailer to the Lord. They had no reason to give him any thanks. But they led him to the Lord. So Paul was a man who could be in prison... And praise God. And he says to the people at Philippi, whatever you've seen in me, remember that. And when Paul wrote this, he was in prison again. And he wrote from prison, rejoice, I say to you, rejoice. Now the thing is, we'll rejoice when the sun's shining. We'll rejoice when there's money in the bank. We'll rejoice when we're feeling healthy and good. But Paul wasn't in any of those circumstances. You know, Paul is a man who said, look, I've learned the secret of being content. It's about being in God. And when he said content, he didn't mean just, well, I'm satisfied, that'll do. He meant, I'm happy. This is a man in prison. This is a man who got beaten over and over again, and yet he was always happy. Why? Because he knew who his God was. His eyes were on Jesus. Not on his circumstances. Not on what he had or didn't have. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions or his comfort. It depends on where he is in God. That goes for women as well, of course. Where we are in God, that is all that matters. That's all that counts. And we are blessed. We're saved. And the thing is that when we start to appreciate that, we can really start to move forward. Sometimes we receive these things from God's hand, but we don't really give thanks. You know, I'm reminded of the of the ten lepers. Did they receive a fantastic healing? I mean, leprosy was more than just a, a bit of an itchy skin. If you were a leper, it was a death sentence. If you were a leper, you were not allowed in the town. You couldn't be around other people. You had to live in a leper colony. And you rotted away while you were still alive. And Jesus healed them, but only one came back to give thanks. The others took their healing, went, thank you very much, off we went. And that was it, but only one came back to say thank you to Jesus. And so the thing is, you know, we've received a greater healing than leprosy. We've been healed of our sin. Should we not come back and give thanks to the one who saved us? We have a lot to be grateful for.
You know, sometimes part of our problem is that we're very materialistic and we count our blessings in terms of what we have. But as Jesus said, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. I love Psalm 73. I think it's beautiful. You know, my heart failed me when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I love that psalm because it's a very honest psalm. That's one of the things that strikes me about Psalm 73. Very, very honest. He says, you know, they seem to be healthy and strong and yet they, you know, they insult you and and all the rest of it. How can this be? And surely I've kept myself clean in vain. You know, I'm trying to live a pure and holy life. I'm trying to serve you. And what thanks do I get for it? I'm I'm sick and I'm poor and everything else. And he said, I don't understand. He said, it was oppressive to me. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. I love that because, you know, he was confused. He was upset. He was, uh, you know, he, he was he was all over the place. Until he entered the sanctuary of God. And that's our answer as well. You know, if we, you know, not happy with life, with, you know, that's not to say that we don't have genuine problems. That's not to say we don't have genuine illnesses. That's not to say that we don't go through genuine bereavement if there is such a thing. You know, we have genuine problems. But the truth is that when we enter the sanctuary of God, then we understand everything from God's point of view. And we see the end of the matter from the beginning. Then we understand. Because we find our strengthen our wisdom from God instead of from our own logic which sends us absolutely mad you know we need to really look towards God and when we actually appreciate all the things that he is not just the things that he gives us but what he is then we really start to move forward in God and you know something there's more ways to say thank you to God than just words. It's not just about singing songs or saying thank you. It's about serving him as well. You know, when we give to God, we can show our appreciation. And that doesn't have to be in tithing or money. That can also be in our service for God. That can be in taking opportunities. You know, sometimes we... (laughs) I've seen people in the past talk about serving God as if it's a price they pay. It's something they do. You know, I do this for God because, you know, um, you know, I don't know. They, they seem to think it's a bit of a burden or whatever else, and they think that they should be appreciated for it. They don't seem to realize that the opportunity to serve God is part of the blessing. It's part of the opportunity to give thanks to God. It's, it's something that you receive. People talk about living a holy life as if it's a, a burden or something. You know, you've got to live a holy life. It's hard to be a Christian. Oh, it's hard to be a Christian. I'm, you know, I'm trying to live a holy life. You know, do you not realize that living a holy life is part of the blessing? It's part of the benefit of being a Christian. Is it not a joy to live a holy life? Yeah. You know, I see people living in sin and I see them with their troubles and woes. And the problems that it brings on, I think it's easier to be a Christian than to be in the world. People talk about it being hard to be a Christian. I think it's even harder to live in the world. You know, the opportunity to serve God is something that we give thanks for. And sometimes we don't appreciate those who have been given to us to do that. 
you know. How many people like to have the pasta for lunch? <laughs> I love a pasta lunch, don't you? <laughs> and I'm not talking about tagliatelle or spaghetti, right? Lots of places where, you know, they take the, the sermon to pieces and they take the ministry, they should do this, they grumble about the church, whatever. You know, the fact is that we should be grateful for those who are given to us. This past year, we haven't had a pastor here. And we should be grateful for the fact that God provided those who would do good things. Amen. You know, above all, I think that the main thing is to actually appreciate God for who he is. I've said it a few times already, but I really want to make a point of this finally. Okay? Because often we thank God for what he gives us instead of who he is. I remember when I was a child, I used to look forward to my grandparents coming to see me because they always bought presents. Always a new toy or something else like that. And they pull up in the driveway with their Ford Anglia, right? Anybody here remember the Ford Anglia automobiles? You're old. Okay. And they pull up. Oh, I'd be so excited. I'd run down. Hey, you know, what have you got for me? And all I wanted was the present. And I remember one day when they came with no presents. <sighs> I, was like, I didn't know what to do. It was socially awkward, right? I think my parents had said something to them. Don't bring a present next time. Uh, But the point was that they wanted me to appreciate my grandparents for who they were, not what I could get from them. And we need to do the same thing with God. I think that sometimes God deliberately withholds answers to prayer. He deliberately doesn't give us what we want because we need to learn to appreciate Him. How often... I find myself praying because I need something. Even the unsaved, even non-Christians will pray when they're in trouble. You watch them crying out, oh my God, help me, because they're drowning or whatever else, right? But the truth is that they've got no interest in God once they've put the divine first aid kit back in the cupboard. But do we appreciate God for who he is? Do we love God for who he is? Do we know God truly in such a way? Because to know him is to love him. And this is the thing, you know, if we can get to that place, if we can get into that inner sanctuary, in fact, the scripture that Ida read, John 15, it's about dwelling in God. It's a fantastic scripture. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. He already said, I am in the Father. And you can be where I am. You'll be in the Father too. So we're in God. God is in us. There's that relationship. And it's all about being in God. That's what's really exciting. When Jesus spoke about, you know, returning, he wasn't saying like, oh, I'm looking forward to going back to heaven. Heaven's a wonderful place. He wasn't interested in that. Every time he spoke about it, it was, I'm going to return to the Father. I want to be back with the Father. Why? Because Jesus, of course, loves the Father. And when you love somebody, you want to be with them. Not because of what they give you, but because of who they are. And so that should be the important thing for us. Because Jesus is the way to be in the Father. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus. You can be in the Father, and the Father can be in you. And he said, by the Holy Spirit, we will come and make our home in you. 
You will dwell in us, we will dwell in you. I want to be in that place where it's all about God. It's all about being in him and him in us. Amen. And that's really what being a Christian is all about. I think about something like Psalm 42, where he cries out, when can I go and meet with God? Not when can I go to the temple and do all the ceremonies and all the rest of it, even though that's a great joy. He says, when can I go and meet with God? That should be our greatest desire. And when we really, really get to know God, when we really, really get close to God, then we will truly appreciate who he is. And our natural response, our impulsive response, will be to give him thanks. To be grateful. Because he's such a wonderful God. I don't know if you've ever heard it. There was a a lovely rant that a preacher went off on where he starts describing God and he says he's wonderful, he's insurmountable, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's all-loving, he's all-gracious. And he goes on and on and on about how fantastic God is. And he says at the end of it, he's indescribable. God is indescribable, amen? Are we grateful that we have a God who's so fantastic? Are we grateful to have a God who loves us so much? Unconditionally. It's fantastic, isn't it? He is truly indescribable. He is the God who gave us his son to die on the cross. He's the God who became a man and died on the cross. To give us salvation that we did not deserve. And furthermore, he gives us so much more beyond that. According to his grace, we have a lot to be thankful for. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. And let us give thanks to God in our own ways. Let us really open up our hearts to God and say, Lord, help me to appreciate. Instead of asking for more things, help me to give you something. To give you thanks. To give you praise. To express how much you deserve. Because I deserve nothing. You speak to your God. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.